Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. This podcast is made possible due to the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, continues with part two of our series, Forward. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's cold outside. I'm glad you guys are here, man. It is chilly outside, man. Yesterday morning, it was cold, but we had a great turnout to our second Sunday during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Again, I want to encourage you guys, man. Let's hook up together as a faith community, as a church. Let's pray together. Let's fast together. Let's go after God and get him ready for what he wants to do in our lives, get ourselves ready for what he wants to do in our lives so we have the year that God wants us to have. So keep plowing through, man. Again, take some time this week. Uh, and next week, the last two weeks, or 21 days of prayer and fasting, set aside some time, maybe during lunch or when you get up in the morning, set aside some meals or maybe some days if you feel le- led that direction and fast. Make room for God to move in your life. And again, be here this coming Saturday, next Saturday, as we close out the last two Saturdays of the month with uh, corporate prayer. Man, I'm telling you, if you've never been here, um, I know maybe, just maybe, if you've never been to a prayer meeting or maybe back in the day you went and like you think it's a yawn fest, I'm telling you, man, you'll come, you'll have an amazing time. You'll be glad you got up early on a Saturday morning to be here. So again, this Saturday, nine o'clock, make sure you're here. It's going to be good again. So, well, listen, yesterday um, it was cold outside, a little bit of chilliness, and we got up, uh, came again. We had some time of prayer. I went home and hung out with my family for a little bit. And I thought, man, I got to break the, I got to break the rut. I got to break the rut. I got to get back in the routine of working out, get back in the routine. Um, we have, we have eaten all the leftovers, right? We've, we like just trying to, is anybody here out of, out of the routine? It's hard, isn't it? It's just hard getting back where you were. So I thought, man, I'm going to go out and I'm going to put some miles in. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my thing. And so I, I put on some, put on some Nike pants and put on a shirt and a sweatshirt and I thought, uh, I'm going to go out and put some miles on. And I walked out, and my wife said, the first thing she said, is it's too cold out there. You can't go out there. It's too cold out there. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. I didn't say that, but I thought that. <laughs> I was like, no, baby, it's good. I, it's not too cold. It's not too cold. I got this. As soon as I walked outside, it was too cold. But it was too late because I already told her it wasn't too cold. And my manhood would not let me turn around and go back inside. But this is, this is free information. Some of you need to write this down. While nylon Nike jogging pants look cool, they do not insulate well against the winter winds. Man, I'm telling you, I was freezing cold walking, did a couple miles. And, uh, here, but here's the reality is I'm just telling you, I couldn't allow my comfort to keep me from my commitment. So, man, I just kept walking, kept walking, did my thing. And here's the reality is because for me, for the last, uh, about the last 18 months, I've kind of been on this physical journey of trying to be a little more fit, a little more in shape, and trying to live a little bit longer. Come on, somebody. And trying to do my thing, because for all of us in this room, we're all on different journeys in our lives, financial journeys and relational journeys, and we all are on this journey. And here's what you need to know, and what I know is true, is our journeys are dictated by our steps. If you don't take the right steps in the right direction, you'll never get where you need to go in your journey. And so we've been talking about this idea of steps and moving forward through this series we started last week entitled Forward. 
And uh, I would encourage you, if you did not last week, I'd encourage you to grab a bracelet. Man, we ask all of our Faith Church family, if you're a visitor here, put it on. Wear it for the month at least. It's a good reminder of God speaking to your life because he wants all of us, come on, say it with me, to move forward. God wants you to move forward. And a lot of people, well, they wear it for the year. It's a great way, man, just to keep that reminder. And so we asked, launching this series last week, we asked kind of this question for us to think about. If we're going to move forward in our spiritual journey, if we're going to keep taking the right steps in the right direction, here's what I want us to think about again today. Is what would Faith Church look like in 2019 if everyone, that's everyone here, everyone online, everyone that's not in the room right now, literally thousands of people connected to Faith Church, what would, it look like, what would Faith Church look like in 2019 if everyone took just one step forward in their spiritual journey this year? I'm not asking, I mean, I know we start the year with big dreams and big goals, and we're going to do this, and we're going to become this. Like, let's not even dream big. Like, let's just bring it down to reality. But what would happen if every single person in this room took just one step forward in your spiritual journey? Imagine what God could do in your life. Imagine what God could do in and through this church to impact this community and this region. Imagine what God could do if every single one of us moved a little bit closer to Christ, a little bit further in our call, a little bit further down the road in our spiritual journey. Imagine what God could do to set us up in 2019 if everyone took just one step. And so... Last week, we started talking about what some of these steps are. And we said this. Last week, we talked about three steps that everyone needs to take in 2018. If you weren't here, I would encourage you maybe to go back online and listen to the message. But here's what we covered just real quick. We said this. Three steps everyone needs to take is to be found, which means this. If maybe you grew up in church, maybe you're a religious person, maybe you're in church every week, and you've never taken the step of being found. Maybe you're brand new in church. Maybe you're just investigating. Maybe you have questions about who is Jesus, what's the Bible. Wherever you're at on that spiritual pendulum, here's the goal is for every single one of us to be found, to be saved, to be born again, to come into a relationship with Christ, to have our sins get forgiven, to come to the place where we're children of God, where we belong to him and he belongs to us. God wants every single person in this room to be found. If you've never taken this step, and said yes to Jesus, and yes to his grace, and yes to his forgiveness, then the first step, and the best step that you can take in 2018, is to be found. And then we said this, that because found people find people, we need to do that. Every one of us in this room, one step that you can take in 2018 that would change your life, and that would change our church, is if every one of us is a finder. Amen. Come on, everybody, say a finder. That found people find people that if you've been saved, that you need, to inf you need to leverage your influence to maybe start conversations, at least to issue an invitation to come and be, hey, come be my guest. The challenge is this, is that every one of you need to decide that you refuse to let the seat next to you in church on Sunday morning be empty one more Sunday, that you're going to be a finder. You're going to have conversations in the workplace and in the school and in the neighborhood to have conversations or at least issue invitations to get people to come that they can find the same Christ that you found because once you're fine, you need to be a finder. Yeah. Come on, church. Y'all got to help me. Y'all know this is the biggest crowd as our second service. Y'all the quietest. It's the craziest thing. Y'all allowed to move around, make some noise. Y'all can stand. You can shout. Like, don't get weird or someone will shoot you. So we're clear. There are boundaries. We got a long way to go. We got lots of room to play with. Feel free. You just go, y'all play with it. Play with the room. And number three, 
Go public with being found. A great step, a lot of you in this room, you said yes to Je you started coming to church, you said yes to Jesus, you raised your hand in a service, you said, God, forgive me, Lord, make me your child, and he did. The next step you need to take in your step in 2018 is going public with being found, and that's water baptism. Because that's what water baptism is. It's a way of an outward expression of an inward transformation. It's a way of letting other people on the outside know that you said yes to Jesus on the inside. We're going to do that in just a couple weeks at our first Wednesday service. If you've never taken the step of saying yes in water baptism, that is your step in 2018. What would Faith Church look like if everyone in this room took just one step forward in their spiritual journey? And I told you this last week that that was just the three for last week. Today, I want to give you one more. So now it's four steps. Anybody want to guess what it is next week? Come on, you can guess. You're smart people. Four steps everyone needs to take in 2018. Be found, be a finder, go public with being found, and, and, and serve. 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 What do I, what do I mean by serve? Here's, here's a definition so we're all on the same page. When I say serve, I mean use some of your time and talents to fulfill God's call on your life to help fulfill God's purpose on this earth. That every one of you in this room, that who you are, when you woke up this morning, you woke up because God woke you up, because God put strength in your body, because God put breath in your lungs, and he woke you up not to fulfill your agenda, but his agenda, and he's given you talents and outlooks and relationships. God's given you specialties, and God's given you talents and abilities, and he's given you all these things so you can use who you are and who he's made you to be to be an influence in this world to help advance the kingdom of God. That's why you're here. And so when you serve at Faith Church, you're saying, I choose to take some of who I am, some of what I have, and I'm going to leverage it into God's kingdom. You don't have to do it here. We would challenge you. There's open door here. But to get involved in a nonprofit, to get involved in the Red Cross, to get, in, get involved in, in, uh, in, some, in some ministry in this area, get connected to your church, but decide if all you are is sitting and you're not serving to get, out of the, get off the bench and get in the game in 2018. Some of you have been coming here and you pulled your seat up at the table and man, you've been feasting for the last six months and the last year and the last two years and it's time to push back and get involved in the game. Your best step in 2018 is for everyone to serve. Come on. For everyone to serve. Right now, on average, we have about 1,100 people that serve at Faith Church. Don't clap, that's bad. We have that in our building right here, and we're three services, and on an average Sunday, about 70% of our people attend church. So that means we have probably over 3,000 people connected to church. That means we have about 33% of people. Two-thirds of people are sitting. Two-thirds of people are watching. Two-thirds of people are spectators. And if everyone in this room took just one step and said, this is the year I'm going to serve. It would change your life, and it would change our church, and God would use it all to change our community, and that's what we're here for. Come on, church. So I know how you are because I'm the same way. Man, the thought, just that word, even when I put the word serve on the screen, like, could you feel like the oxygen leave the room? <sighs> Because I know, man, we are already busy. Man, we are already juggling busy schedules and trying to navigate life and figure out how to squeeze everything in. And the idea of putting one more thing on your schedule, one more thing on your agenda, you're like, Pastor, I just can't do it. Like, man, there's no more room in the pie. I can't give you another slice. 
Some of you hear the thought of serving, of getting involved, like you're already exhausted. And if you're exhausted and that's your reason for not serving, I've got really great news for the exhausted today. God promises if you're exhausted, God promises that he will renew your strength. In fact, check this out. Here's his promise. Y'all got to watch this. In Isaiah, he says this, but, but those who wait on the Lord, come on, read this, shall renew their strength. That's why we do three services. So if you serve, you can serve one and you can sit one because we know how it is. If you serve in, in this busy world, how many people know that you're exhausted? Some of you here, man, are wore out. Do you know God promises to renew your strength? He promises to pour into you. He promises to revitalize you. That is, if you go back and you serve in a ministry, you can show up and you can sit in a service because during worship, God's presence shows up and fills his people. Every time we lift our hands, God's presence comes down. Every time we seek his face, God shows up and God renews our strength. But do you know why he renews our strength? That they shall mount up with wings like eagles, that they shall... Oh, come on, somebody. See, here we're talking about moving forward, and the reason some of you aren't moving forward is because you're exhausted. God says, if you're exhausted, come and I'll give you rest. But the reason I'm giving you rest is so you can run again, which means in our journey of faith, we are in two places. Either we're resting to run or we're running until we rest again. Come on. So because I know this is a, a, a tough topic, again, in the busy world we live, it's complicated. Sometimes the idea or the invitation to serve, a lot of times there's pushback. In fact, some of you in this room, you have reasons, uh, maybe why you can't serve or don't want to serve or don't feel like you can serve. And I want to talk about just three of those for just a few minutes real quick. These are the three that I either hear or I experience the most. And so I'm going to tackle them. Here's what I'm going to tell you right out of the front gate is, again, like there's maybe something that you're facing that you feel like is keeping you from, uh, from getting involved, from keeping you from getting engaged, keeping you from taking that next step. And, um, and so I want to jump in. If you're taking notes, we're going to tackle these three real quick. Here's the first one. Your mistakes don't disqualify you from God's call. Your mistakes do not disqualify you from God's call. I don't know about anybody else, but man, the day I got saved, like I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. When I got saved, I remember walking out of, of this auditorium in Columbus, Ohio, and I walked out feeling like I could win and take over the world. Like I felt like, man, I was never going to mess up again. Like I was perfect. Like me and God, like it was like, anybody remember that moment? Like I was like, I got it going on. And that lasted for like eight hours and six minutes and 14 seconds. Like you walk out feeling like you're never going to mess up. And the reality is, man, just because you're saved doesn't mean you're perfect. And I continue to fall and I continue to struggle and I still, to, still do today in my humanity. Thank God for grace. Come on, somebody. But I continue to mess up. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, Pastor Steve, you know, man, when you talk about serving, like maybe it, for you it's the quantity of your mistakes. Probably for others of you, you would say, man, I can't serve right now because of the quality of my mistake. Like, you've blown it so big that when you look at me, you're like, like, I just can't serve. Like, when I look at where I'm at in my life, when I look at what I'm going through, when I look at the situation I've gotten myself into, like, God can't use me. Like, once I fix my marriage, once, once I get through the divorce, once I work out what's going on with my kids, once I get dry a little bit longer, once I get over this addiction, then, then God can use me. And maybe you're here in the idea of serving, like you're turned off to it because you've made too big a mistake and you're convinced God can or won't use you. Your mistakes don't disqualify you from God's call. We're going to look at this guy real quick. His name is Moses. And Moses has a great story. You can read about it, but... 
Ultimately, Moses is this guy that God calls to be his man, to go into the nation of Egypt and to bring out God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, who have served as slaves for 400 years in Egypt. God wants Moses to go get them from Pharaoh, to bring them out of Egypt, and to escort them and lead them into this land that God has for them. And so God goes and basically has a conversation with Moses that he's calling him to, to use him. If he'll serve, God's going to use him for something really significant. And like some of you in this room, Moses has all these reasons why he can't be used. And I want to just jump into this real quick. Watch this. All of Exodus 3 are all a bunch of excuses by Moses. This is Exodus 4, and he's still making excuses. <laughs> and it says this. It says, but Moses, but Moses protested again. Hey, what if, what if they won't believe me or, or listen to me? Or what if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Because every time he gives an excuse, God gives an answer. And he finally is like, but God, like, even if I go, they're not even going to believe you sent me. And I just want to tell you this. Listen, when God calls you to do something in this world, it's natural to say no. Like our first response is no. You've got the wrong person at the wrong time. It's natural to say no. And a lot of you in this room, you've been saying no to God. And here's what I want you to hear for a second. While it's natural to say no, we got to pull back and remember to whom we're saying no to. Because either he's the Lord of all or he's not the Lord at all. See, when I, when, I tell my kid, when I tell my kid to do something, hey, Zach, I need you to take out the trash. It's funny, my, my son knows not to tell me no because I will knock him out. So he won't tell me no. But he'll tell me no by just giving me a bunch of, Dad, I'd like to take out the trash, but I'm playing right now PlayStation 4, and I'm playing this kid in California. He's undefeated, and if I beat him, I'll be the greatest basketball player in the world, so I can't do it right now, but I'm going to do it later. Zach, I, I wasn't really asking you if, hey, Zach, could you please say, I, I, was tell, I asked you to sound nice, but I was telling you to take out the trash. And while you might use long, flowery words of why you're saying God, no to God, at the end of the day, when God calls us to serve, there's only two answers, yes or no. And long, flowery excuses at the end of the day are just a no. And this is what Moses is telling God. Ultimately, he's saying, God, no. No. And so they continue this conversation. Watch this. The Lord asks him, hey, what's that in your hand? And some of you know this story. It's a shepherd's staff, Moses replied. What's in your hand? Let me tell you about this shepherd's staff for a minute because it's really profound why Moses is holding this shepherd's staff. See, Moses, if you don't know his story, Moses, he was a Jewish child. He was born to a slave mother born in Egypt. But God worked it out in this profound way. Always from the beginning, Moses was set aside and predetermined to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel. And God worked it out that Moses would be raised in the house of Pharaoh. Like he would learn from the best educators. He would eat the best food. Like he would, be, he would be the cream of the crop. God worked it out for him to be raised in the house of Pharaoh. And when the time came, like Moses knew his call, he knew his purpose, he knew why he was on planet earth. And one day he's out walking and he sees one of his countrymen, another fellow Jew being beaten by an Egyptian taskmaster. And man, he loses it. Flips the switch, man. He blows his top and he goes over and he grabs this Egyptian taskmaster and he kills him. And he feels like that's the first step to him accomplishing his call. And instead, some other Jewish brothers look at him and like, hey, man, you're no better than us. You're a murderer. And for the next 40 years, Moses goes from being Pharaoh's son to being a shepherd out on the backside of the desert. 
He goes from being someone important and prominent to being a nobody. He goes from being the top to the bottom of the barrel. And so when God looks at him and says, hey, what's that in your hand? What this staff represents is not just a representation of his occupation. It's a representation of his indiscretion. It's a reminder that he's a murderer. It's a reminder that he blew it. It's a reminder that he messed up his call. It's a reminder that he should have still been in Pharaoh's house rescuing God's people, but now he's playing with sheep because he messed up. And some of you in this room, man, when I ask, if I ask you, hey, what's that in your hand? Like you're holding a divorce and you're holding kids that are rebellious and you're holding messes and mistakes and failures and bankruptcies and it's your reason why God can't use you. See, when God said, Moses, what's that in your hand? I'm telling you, he was embarrassed. I'm telling you, he felt condemnation and shame because it just represented everything his life fell to. What's that in your hand? And some of you, when I say, hey, man, God wants to use you. Immediately you think about why you can't be used because of the struggle, the addiction, the failure, the mistake, whatever it is you're going through, there are reasons you feel like you can't be used. And I want to say it again, that your mistakes do not disqualify you from God's call on your life. In fact, I want to say this today. When God calls you, God doesn't call the perfect version of you. God calls the real you. See, when God called you, God didn't think, hey, when they get it all worked out, when she fixes all the messes, when he gets his life together, when everything's perfect, then God says, I'll use them. No, God knew who you would be. God knew where you'd be. God knew every mistake you would make. And God called you because it's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. Come on. on. So I can prove this to you. I can prove this to you out of scripture. The Bible says it this way. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, whom God foreknew, he did also predestine. That means God knew you before you were born, and he predetermined what call would be on your life. God knew every mistake, every struggle, every issue you would have. He knew all of your mess-ups. He knew all of your hang-ups and all of your issues. Come on, somebody. And he said, I'm going to call you anyways, because whom he foreknew, he also predestined to look like and act like his son Jesus. And those he predestined, he also called. Everybody say, I'm called. God called you in spite of you because it's not about you. It's about him. And so here's Moses looking at this staff feeling like I can never be used by God. And God says, no, I can use you anyways. See, I want you to know that this was a detour for Moses. The plan probably wasn't for him to ever end up to be a shepherd. But I want you to know, and the same thing for you, while you maybe never planned on the failure, you never anticipated the mistake. Nobody ever gets married waiting for a divorce. Nobody has kids and realizes one day they might go off the rails. No one gets a job and believes they're going to be the ones facing bankruptcy. No one ever like takes the first toke or the first drink thinking they're going to be the ones battling addiction. But the reality is in a room this size, I just quoted and named a lot of battles in this room. Maybe I didn't name your battle, but your battle's naming you and saying you're not good enough to be used by God. I'm just telling you, your mistake, your hang up and your trouble doesn't keep you from being used by God. And so he asked him, hey man, what's this in your hand? And then watch this. I love it. Some of you know how this story goes. He says, hey, throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. And so Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. If it had turned into a spider and I was there, I'm out. I'm I'm going to be Buddhist. Thanks. I'm out. (laughs) It turned into a snake. It was this radical miracle. And it's crazy because now this thing that was at one time his disappointment becomes his greatest asset, which means God can take your failure And God can turn it around and use it to promote you. God can take your struggle and he can use it to elevate your life. Come on, I wish somebody here would believe me. 
My greatest testimony as a youth pastor that I could look at teenagers who are battling things and I could look at it and say, I know who you are. I know where you've been. I know what you're going through. I know the temptations you're facing. I know the peer pressure you're under because I was there. I battled it. I fell to it and I struggled with it. But by the grace of God, I am where I am. And if I got there, you can get there too. And so here's the funny thing is this same staff that at one time was a reminder that he could never be used by God is the very thing that God used in Moses' life. The staff was the same thing he used. Some of you know the story. Moses has at one time used this staff to hit a rock and water flew out, flowed out of it in order that a million people would have something to drink. Moses used this same staff to strike the bank of the Red Sea and it split in half and the nation of Israel left Egypt on dry ground. Moses used this very same staff over and over and over again, miracle after miracle after miracle. He used the same staff and threw it at the feet of Pharaoh, and it turned into a snake to signify that he was God's call and miracles were happening. Now, I know what you're saying. Pastor, if you get me a staff, I'll serve. Listen, if you got a staff that you can hit something, water flows out, you should be in youth ministry. Come on, somebody. But what I want you to know is, listen to me, you don't need the staff of God or you don't need the staff of Moses. You need the God of Moses because it's not his staff that made him who he was. It was God who made him who he was. See, it's not what Moses had. It's not what you have. It's not what we are. It's always what God is that makes us qualified to fulfill the ministry and to serve to do what God's called us to do. You can do it because of who God is, not because of who you were or who you are. And so, man, he goes in and he does his thing. It's amazing. And so he overcomes a lifetime of being a failure, and God still uses him in a profound way. Here's the second thing. Maybe some of you don't feel like your door's closed on you, like Moses felt, maybe like you feel. For some of you in this room, maybe you feel like your just door hasn't opened yet. Because here's the reality. Uh, we live in a culture right now of comparison. Anybody in this room ever feel like you're not enough? Come on, you can make some noise in this house. Anybody here ever feel like you're not enough, not smart enough, not rich enough, not educated enough, not put together enough? You just don't have enough going on? Do you know where that, that feeling of not having enough comes from? From comparison. And we live in this comparison generation. We're looking around. We're always comparing what we have, who we are, where we're at in life with people around us. And here's what's crazy is, is when I look at my life, I mean, I, really, I, I say this often up here. I've got a great life. I try to think about if someone said, Pastor, if you could change anything in your life, what would it be? I would have a hard time saying something. Abs. I would say abs. But if the Lord gave me abs, I'd never wear a shirt. I'd still wear a jacket, but every Sunday, I'd, like, and I'd move it just so you could see them. I'm telling you, I'd never wear a shirt if I had abs. I promise you. That's why the Lord won't give them to me. He knows they're too much for me to handle. That's why he took yours from you. It went to your head. Not all of you. Some of you still have abs. But think about it. Like, truly, like, I would not change anything. I've got a great wife. Change your marriage. I can't. My marriage is amazing. i got great kids. We've got a great house. we got money in the bank. I don't have bill, bill collectors. My car starts in the morning. I'm in good health. Like, what would I change? There's nothing I would change. And while I couldn't tell you one thing I'll change, do you know how often I feel inadequate? And I say, I wish I looked like them. I wish I could talk like them. I wish I could preach like them. I wish I had a church like them. I wish I, come on, does anybody know what I'm talking? Because we all battle this thing. And when we look at who we are compared to who someone else is, it often feels us, makes, leaves us feeling inadequate. 
And if you're taking notes today and your reason for serving is you don't have enough or you're not enough, your inadequacies don't invalidate God's call on your life. You're enough. You're enough. God, I want to look at this other, this other scenario for just a minute is this guy, David. So David, if you don't know who he is, he's a key character in the Old Testament who eventually grows up to be the king of the nation of Israel. He's a kid who grows up with this feeling of not being enough. And I don't know if he really felt that way as much as people tried to make him feel that way. In fact, if you follow early his story, his dad doesn't believe he's enough. His brothers don't believe he's enough. Nobody believes in David. He's not enough. In fact, the time comes that God is going to appoint a new king over the nation Israel. And so God speaks to, God speaks to the prophet Samuel and sends Samuel to Jesse's house. Jesse is David's father. And God tells Samuel, hey, I'm going to anoint the next king. I want you to go to Jesse's house. It's one of his sons. When you get there, I'll show you who it is. And Samuel shows up at Jesse's house and he's knocking on the door and Jesse opens. He says, yo, yo, whatever you're selling, I don't want any. He said, I'm here to, I'm here to anoint the next king. Go get all of your sons and line them up and I'm going to tell you who the next king is. And Jesse runs and he, he tells all of his sons, hey, man, one of you is going to be the next king. And he lines up almost all of his sons because some of them are handsome and some of them are warriors and some of them got money. Some of them can be on GQ. Some of them got abs. Like they all have it all together. And one by one, Samuel looks at him and says, he's not it and he's not it and he's not it and he's not it and he's not it. He looks around after going through all the candidates of Jesse's son. He's saying, God told me that one of your sons was going to be the next king, and I don't see the king here. Do you have any more sons? And Jesse admits it like there's one more son, but I left him out shepherding sheep because he's not good enough to be king. See, he was too inadequate to be king. He wasn't good looking enough to be king. And his own father didn't believe in him. And you might be here today, and maybe nobody ever believed in you. Maybe you sat in classrooms with teachers that said, you'll never make it. You'll never amount to anything. Maybe you came up under parents. Said, you're stupid. You're a loser. Or maybe that never came out of anyone else's mouth, but when you look in the mirror, it just comes out of your own head. And all of us in this room feel like, God, you, certainly you could find and do better than me. But if God called you, God knows what he's doing. And your inadequacies, your feeling of not being enough does not invalidate God's call on your life. And so you follow the story. He's not good enough to be king. A battle happens between the nation of Israel and the Philistines. Everybody goes off to war. But who? David. Because David's not strong enough. David's not trained enough. David's not warrior enough. Everybody goes off to battle but David. David stays shepherding the sheep. And the day comes and God, uh, Jesse sends his son David up to the battlefield to take his brothers a large cheese pizza. Check it out. It's in the Bible, I promise. <laughs> well, it's cheese and bread. And what else can you make besides a cheese pizza? Come on. <laughs> and so he gets up to the battlefield and he walks up there. He's like, hey, everybody, what's going on? There's no fighting going on. He thought there was a battle. Here what happens in the battle between the nation of Israel and the Philistines is one morning a giant walks out from the side of the Philistines. Some of you know the story. His name is intimidating as his stature. Goliath walks out on the battlefield one day and says, send out your greatest warrior. 
And if they beat me, we'll serve you. But if I beat them, then you serve us. And everybody's too intimidated to go out. Nobody will go out. All the warriors of Israel, all the brothers of David, nobody has the guts. Nobody has the tenacity. Nobody has the strength to go down and face the giant Goliath. And here young David shows up. Hey, everybody, what's cracking? They're like, well, here's the deal. Nobody's going to go fight this guy, so it's a standoff right now. And David says, hey, I'll fight him. All of a sudden, everybody starts reminding him he's not enough. And the very first thing that, that, that David faces when he decides he'll go serve God, he'll go fight on God's behalf, is this. Check this out. Then Saul, who is currently the king, gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. In case you miss what just happened is this, is the very first thing the king did to make David able to fight was try to make him like he was. And some of you feel like if you don't look like me, if you can't preach like me, if you don't look like those other mature Christians, if you don't act like they act, if you don't have it together, then you can't be used. I just want you to know God can use you exactly where you are. In fact, he don't want you to be like me because if you're like me, you can't do what God's called you to do. God equipped me and shaped me to be who I am to do what I'm called, but God wants to use who you are and where you've been to do what you've been called to do. Come on, somebody. Listen. There was nobody in that battlefield who was raised up who could go out and fight the giant. And here's David. He finally goes and he wants to serve God. And everybody's telling him, if you're going to serve God, you got to do it like me and you got to be like me. I just believe this with all my heart, that God is shaping and changing the face and the demographics of the modern day church because who we were and how we used to do things is not going to work in the years to come. Statistics tell us that the church is collapsing, people are leaving, and we are shrinking. I'm thankful that here at Faith Church over the last six years, we have grown by 18% every year. I'm thankful we're experiencing growth. Come on, y'all, to give God some praise for that. But that's not happening in the international church. In the international church, we are shrinking. And people say this, that if you are a church that only meets at one place, at one location, at one time, at one day a week, in 10 years, your church will be closed. So we have to find ways to reach people who cannot be reached. And I'm just telling you, I'm doing all I know how to do, which means God's going to raise up other people. I'll look at them and say, you don't know what you're doing, but they're going to bring fresh ideas and fresh viewpoints from their inadequacies because God's called them to change the face and landscape of how we do ministry. So you're not inadequate. You're just trained different than I'm trained to do something different that I can't do. And check this out. So the story goes on. It says he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with the shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. He goes out there. Can you imagine this, this giant? And this little kid comes out to him. Goliath is offended. You're a teenager. How dare you even walk out on the same battlefield as me? How dare you step into ministry? Who do you think you are? How dare you try to help people? You don't know anything. How dare you try to get involved in changing other people's lives while your own life is falling apart? He tries to intimidate David. He says this, he says, who are you to come at me with a bunch of sticks? And David answers this way, 
David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you. Come on, people. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, what I want you to know is it's not what you're holding. It's who's holding you. It wasn't the staff for Moses, and it wasn't the sling for David. It wasn't what was in their hand. It was whose hand they were in. I just want you to know the God who holds you is big enough to use you, send you, and set us up so we can serve and change the world we live in. It's not us. It's him, but he'll use us if we'll volunteer. In fact, the text goes so far to make this point, and it says this. So David triumphed over the Philistine because he put a rock in a sling. I'd have loved to have been there. I'd love to hear the, the echo of that cat's cranium cracking when that rock just hit him, pow, and he fell out like a charismatic at a Pentecostal meeting. If he was in one, they'd have put a glory cloth on him fell out. Some of you Church of Christ people are like, what's he mean? I don't understand. I don't understand. What does he mean? (laughs) Too much. Back it up. David runs over, pulls Goliath's sword out of Goliath's sheath and cuts off his head. And then just in case you missed it, it gives us this redundant statement. So David triumphed over the Philistine. We got that. He cut off his head. How did he do it? With only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. If you'd ask anybody 15 minutes before that battle, hey, how do you beat, how do you beat the giant? You've got to have a sword. You can only fight that giant with a sword. You need a sword. And God's saying, listen, you may not have a sword. You may not have what other people have. You may not be equipped like other people have, but what you have is enough for God to use because God can anoint a sling. God can anoint a staff. God can, God, God can, come on, God can anoint anything. God can use anything. Listen, it's not about how qualified you are. It's about how called you are. And if you're called to serve, God can use you with babies. God can use you with technical equipment. God can use you loving people. God can use you to change this world if you'll get off the bench and get in the game. You got to serve. Some of us, man, we're just listening to the wrong people. If you listen to the wrong people, you'll miss your calling. I went up and we were at, uh, we were, um, I went up with my family for Christmas and my dad and one of my older brothers, we went to go see uh, Jumanji because Kevin Hart is hilarious. Come on, somebody, Kevin Hart. Can Kevin Hart get a hand? He's not even here. And so we walked in and uh, like going to the movies, everybody knows this. And I've I've said this before, I've got no shame in my game. Um, uh, I... I always stop by the dollar store to get my candy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but cinema owners have a business to run, so I always buy my popcorn and pop. That's right, because I'm from Ohio, and I can say that. It's not called Coke corn. Popcorn and pop. I always buy my popcorn and pop at the concession stand at the cinema, but I always stick my Twizzlers in my back pocket and strap my Milk Duds in my sock. Come on. <laughs> Come on. They're not busting me. Uh-uh. I'm not going back. I'm not going. I can't do no more time. Can't do it. So... Here's what's funny is we go to this movie, we buy our ticket, I go up and I get my popcorn and my pop and we walk. And how do you know it's a, big, it's a big deal to get in the movie? It's a big deal. Because for me, maybe nobody else, but I got to sit in my seat. And my seat has got to be right. It's got to be right in the middle. And it's got to be like halfway up. I can't sit too close. Can't sit way back. Got to be right in the middle. 
And so when you get in, it's a big deal to finally get seated. So we go into this theater. We look up. Sure enough, it's right there, Jumanji 2.30. That's the movie we're there to see. We walk into this theater. We go and we get in. And you got to move. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Pardon me. I got a lot of junk in the trunk, so it's all up in people's face. Pardon me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. And I sit down, put the popcorn down, set my pop down, get my juju beads out, get my milk duds out, and I'm ready to roll for the movie. It's like a five-minute doing to get where I am and set up. And we're watching, and all of a sudden, we got there a few minutes late, but we catch like the last one or two previews, and then the movie starts. And the movie starts off a musical. I don't know whose idea it was to ever do musicals, but they should be shot. (laughs) Keep music, music, and keep movies, movies. It's not only that, but someone was dumb enough to cast Wolverine. Hugh Jackman should only be Wolverine. Somehow, they're playing either the wrong movie or something, but the sign said... Jumanji, but we're in the theater watching the greatest show on earth. I know, right? So I got to stick my milk duds back in my sock, twizzlers back in my pocket, put my pop up, my pop up. Excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. Excuse me, excuse me, pardon me. And I got to go to another theater. Do you know why? Because I listened to the wrong person who told me the right movie was in the wrong place. If you listen to the wrong people, you will miss the movie that God scripted you for. You are not too inadequate for God to use you. All you got to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes. Real quick, because I'm way out of time. I want to say this to another group of people in this room, that in my experience in 25 years of ministry, is this, is maybe you're here and the reason you're not serving is because you're too busy serving you. And you got businesses to run and money to make and markets to play and everything you do. And I'm not discounting what you do. Some of you who make large money give large money. But unless God has given you the gift of giving, the gift of giving means this, that you make all you can and give all you can and live on as little as you can to advance the kingdom of God. And so Jesus has a conversation with Peter because some of you, you're not serving, and here's the reason why. Your success in this world doesn't suspend God's call. Just because you're successful doesn't mean you're not called. Some feel like, I'll do it later, God, like I'm really busy right now, like I'm nailing it right now, I'm killing it, my my business is growing, I got all all this stuff, God, once this slows down, I promise I'll get involved. And and Peter has this, this experience with Jesus, and because he's a slow learner like a lot of us, come on, that's a good place for an amen, Jesus has to have given this experience twice, but here's this experience that goes down real quick and we'll close. When he had finished speaking, Jesus, he said to Simon, who was Peter, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. So Jesus has been teaching on the shore. Peter's been sitting in his boat. He tells him, I want you to push back out and go fishing again. Listen to Peter's response. Peter was a fisherman before he became a disciple. Jesus tells a fisherman how to fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down my nets again. You know he had an attitude letting them nets down, don't you? man, I won't tell you how to make no chairs and table. Don't tell me how to fish. I won't tell you how to carpenter. You won't tell me how to fish, catch fish, right? But okay, Jesus, you tell me to cast my nets again, I'll cast my nets. After not catching anything all night, he listens to Jesus. And some of you know the story. Everybody say this, this time, doing it God's way, God's time, this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And so both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Watch this. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. 
I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Check this out again. He realized what had happened. What had happened? What happened? It wasn't just that the nets were full of fish. What he realized was that it's only God that gives success. It wasn't how good of a fisherman he was. It wasn't how skilled he was. What fills nets is not good fishermen, but a good God. He fished in his own ability, his own talent, his own strength all night and came up with zilch. And when Jesus said, do it my way in my time, he came up with so many fish and almost sank the boats. Here's my point. Some of you aren't serving because you're too busy being successful in this world. And while I celebrate you and I believe that God has blessed you, God is only showing you success so you'll understand where to place that success. And if you have no success in the kingdom, your bankrupt or your bankroll in this world means nothing because one day it will mean nothing. And so I don't know why you're not serving. Some of you in this room, most of you in this room, our statistics tell us at church, most of you in this room are still on the bench, not in the game. A great step every one of you in this room can and should take to change who you are and to change who we are, to do what God's called us to do in 2018 is all of us need to take a step. Everybody shout that word forward. All of us need to take a step. Come on, say it. Forward and serve. Get involved in the game. And you may have made mistakes, but it doesn't disqualify. You may be inadequate, but it does not make your call any less. If you're successful, then be successful in the things that will matter most and matter longest, and that's the kingdom. If you're here and you're not yet serving, we'll challenge you this way and we'll close. I go to faith.com backslash next steps. If you go there, we'll get you connected somewhere here at Faith Church. You don't want to go online, can't go online, online is not your thing. Stop back at Next Steps today. One of our staff or volunteers will be there and help you find a place. We're not just going to, I promise you, we will not hand you a baby. We love our babies and you way too much that I hand you one if you don't want one. But we will find a place for your gift set, for your talent set, for your calendar. We'll find you a place where you can take a next step forward and serve. Imagine what would happen if everyone in this building took just one step forward. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. God, I pray we will push out the excuses that are ultimately a no, and we'll say yes to the call you have on all of our lives to serve in your house and in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week for week three.